All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. Before we get started, we'd first like to thank our sponsor for this one in Fly Racing. Fly Racing is excited to celebrate its 25th anniversary in 2023, led by the revolutionary Formula Helmet featuring Rion technology. Fly Racing continues to push the boundaries of product performance and design. Fly Racing would like to thank our loyal dealers and customers for 25 incredible years of service and look forward to the next 25 and beyond. Check out the new line at flyracing.com and check them out at Fly Racing USA on social media and all their athletes at worldwide motocross and off-road events in 2023. All right, for this one, we're joined by the great man, Jason Thomas. How's life, mate? How was the weekend off? Uh, nice change of pace for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, it's nice to be home and, uh, yeah, just not have a ton of responsibility over the weekend. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but you always, like, kind of know what's still coming, right? We have so many races still in front of us with the rest of Pro Motocross and then, uh, you know, the, the SMX playoffs and then Motocross the Nations following that. So there's a long way to go yet, but I, I did enjoy it to your question, yes. Awesome, mate. And obviously you would have been tuned into the MXGP and um, Sambawa and yeah, it was pretty excellent performances by Fever and Coonan. Obviously Coonan especially getting his first overall, you know, MX2 GP win. Um, it's definitely been coming, but yeah, he was so impressive, uh, controlled, measured, you know, composed, sort of did it all. And I had a chat to him uh, just after the race and he was just saying that in the second moto for a 16 year old, he was saying, yeah, I was just in cruise mode. You know, it's 33 degrees, humid, hot. He's not, he wasn't really used to those conditions, but he adapted so well, didn't he? And uh, pretty amazing performance again, really, wasn't it? Yeah, he looks great. Um, you know, most of the time when he doesn't win, it's because either he stops himself or the motorcycle stops and stops him. Uh, I haven't seen many times this season where he's just flat out not been capable of running with the lead pace. So that bodes really well for him, especially at his age. And uh, yeah, if he stays healthy, it's hard to not see him being an MX2 world champion here in the very near future. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Just a word on uh, February. Obviously, yeah, that track's sort of sketchy, a bit like Argentina. He, he doesn't mind pushing those limits and doesn't mind letting the back slide out. And he just adapted so well to it. Nice blend of power and finesse on that surface, mate, even though he had that spill in the first one. Um, just great to see him winning again because it's been a long time. And yeah, your take on February and just some of the other MXGP guys that caught your eye like Valandrin, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Febra looked like the Febra of old, and that's the first time I've seen him really since last season, you know, pre-femur injury, uh, where he just looked like the the world champion that he is, and he looked calm, and he looked in control, and uh, just, you know, he, he looked like he was comfortable winning, like leading and winning the race, and didn't really have any pressure from anyone from behind, and obviously the crash in, in race one ruined it a little bit for him, but you just watch him in race two. And if you're, you know, we're, we're all watching on MXGP TV or however you, you view it and you really can't see anyone else in, in camera. And that's a really strong statement to make when you look at how deep the MXGP class is uh, for him to just be able to kind of ride away from those guys said a lot. So, you know, we'll see if this is a, a form he can just stay on from here on out. Uh, but it was a very, very impressive performance from him and not one I you know, I didn't really expect it. I thought Prado would, would be the man to beat, and uh, Prado was fine, but Trevor was just on a different level all day long. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Prado got the win in that first one, and you, I liked your opinion last week saying that, you know, you should keep the foot on the throat and keep hustling these guys and just, you know, asserting his dominance over him to not let him get a sniff. And I suppose he 
he did the Prado thing. Uh, he, he was pretty controlled, you know, managed the weekend pretty well. You're impressed with what he did, and do you think he'd be satisfied with that, you know, 100-plus point lead heading into Lombok? Yeah, I think getting race one was was fortunate for him, yeah. of course. Um, but, yeah, you you know, that's, that's a part of racing. You have to be opportunistic when other people make mistakes. And I, I always think when – temperatures are at their their highest um it's difficult for for prado to be his best and i don't i don't think it's a lack of effort uh some people just aren't quite as good in really high temperatures as others and i think there's genetics and there's a lot of biology there um some of it you can't really control so for him to manage it still get a a lot of points leave there on the podium get a race win uh yeah you know I, i think if you're going into those races like that thinking maybe this isn't your best dynamic uh, to leave there with with a strong weekend like that and a hundred point lead is yeah how can you be upset with that? Yeah, just to sort of MX two chat. Uh, yeah, it's sort of another weekend where sort of no one else wants to win like you said last week, mate. It's just yeah, not not great weekends. Adam obviously had that qualifying crash and I think that conditioned his weekend to some point. And Beniston sort of was coming alive in the second half of races and Kaida Wolf had sort of one to forget. Um, he, he want to get that one over pretty quick. So, yeah, any any strides by any of these guys, mate? And just a quick word on Kevin Hogmo dislocating the shoulder and then getting it put back in and riding so well. It was impressive achievement. Yeah, it's a really strange class at the moment. Uh, I, I think for so many years we've had these dominant guys, whether it was Prado and then that rolled into Tom Vial and Yago kind of battling. But for so long, we've not who the main protagonists were and there really wasn't any discussion otherwise and now it just feels like the door is is wide open and and most of that is because of Yago's injury but that's that's a part of racing and Yago's not 100% yet uh, I am very impressed by he's been able to come back he held on for third uh there in, in race two and he's getting better and he's not that far out of the points so that's something these guys have to be very concerned with is if he gets back to 100% strength say when we get back to mainland Europe, he's going to be a real problem for them. Um, And you look at the points and everybody's kind of jumbled there together at the top. So it's a really interesting series. It's just a strange one, mostly just because we have not seen any type of uh, parody like this for a very long time. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out this weekend at a new track in um, Lombok. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one closely. But we'll we'll turn our attention to Redbud this weekend, mate. How excited are you? Obviously, one of the best events on the on the whole worldwide, you know, motocross supercross calendar. Special, the fans go hard. Um, there's some pretty good ins for this one too, with the likes of Sexton and Anderson, Cooper, Hamaker, Reynolds. Um, should be the track will be in full swing for the 50th anniversary, mate. And um, so how excited are you? Yeah, it should be great. Uh, this race, for, for those who haven't been here, haven't had the opportunity to come over for Motocross Nations or otherwise, uh, it's a special one. You know, we, we celebrate uh, America's birthday on this weekend, and that's a huge holiday, you know, very patriotic feelings all weekend. And it's, it's just a giant celebration, really. And to be at one of the best facilities and racetracks on top of that certainly just puts it over the top. And then everybody's going to have, a, you know, just great memories of this past motocross nations. You know, when I'm pulling in, I'm going to, I'm going to be remembering how great that weekend was and to finally for team USA to get a win again. Um, so it, it should be awesome. Hopefully the weather holds out for us. We might get some rain, but yeah, you know, racing aside, just the atmosphere of this event alone uh, makes it worth the trip. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yes, to your point, 
getting Chase Sexton back is huge. Uh, this is his home race. He's, he was born a couple hours or, you know, grew up a couple hours away. So I'm sure that was a, a deciding factor a bit on him. Even if he wasn't maybe ready yet, I think he would have forced it if he's not. And, and I don't know if he is or not, but I think that is definitely something that uh, is a factor for him. Further on that point, uh, he really wants to try to get redemption on Jet Lawrence at this race, leaving Motocross Nations. As excited as everyone was, I know for a fact that he was very disappointed that he lost to Jet at that race and, and wasn't able to really lay it on the line because he knew that he couldn't, he couldn't take that risk uh, and throw away a, a sure win for Team USA. So, I, you know, I think that weighed on him much more than it probably should have. Um, I've heard it from multiple people that he that stuck with him. The fact that Jet beat him in his first 450 race at Redbud at the Motocross of Nations, like that just wasn't something he felt okay with. So I think he's coming in here with something to prove. Uh, I'm sure he's had to sit around and watch Jet win every moto and on his, you know, the team that he's been on, Honda HRC and all of the, yeah, all the accolades that Jet has gotten and he's deserved all of them. That's got to be really hard for Chase to, to see, right? He was your Monster Energy Supercross champion and, and coming off of 2022 Pro Motocross where he and Eli Tomac were the entire story and then he wins Supercross. And then now it's almost like he's a forgotten point and all of that focus and all of the uh, just admiration has shifted to Jet. And for us, I don't think we put much thought into it, but if you really stop and put yourself in Chase's shoes, it has to be something that he wants to claw, you know, claw back and he wants to get that respect back. So people are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Chase Sexton is, uh, is, is really good and he's on Honda HRC also because it's, it's very easy to forget just weekend to weekend when you have someone as dominant as Jet has been. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Do you think anyone can beat Jet? Obviously, you know, I've, I've heard your podcast and, you know, having a look at that staging area, obviously the track's really good. And and some of those guys, like you said, will have done some testing and got themselves in a better place physically during that break, even though it's not massive. But um, do you expect the guys like Ferrandis, Webb, AC, and especially, you know, Plessinger, maybe he'll be lapping up that that atmosphere, the vibes, the environment. Uh, who do you expect to give him a good run for his money Aside from maybe the guys we just mentioned, Sexton and, and Anderson will probably just be settling for a top five, I guess. Yeah, I mean, all things being equal, uh, right now, I think the only person that can just straight up beat Jet would be Sexton. And that's assuming Sexton is back to 100%. I just haven't seen enough from any of the other guys to think that they can they can hang in there for 35 minutes and take everything Jet can throw at them. Now, if Jet gets a bad start or crashes or anything like that, all bets are off and, and anything goes. But Assuming Jet's all good and gets out and does what he does, I haven't really seen anybody up to the task yet. You know, Kenny gave it his best effort, and that's factoring in Jet crashing as well and still just wasn't able to do it on a track that Kenny really excels at. So I'm hoping Chase is up to the task, and, and I don't care who wins. I'm such huge fans of both of them. I just want to see a battle, right? I want to see both of them really have to, to push and show us what they have because – I'll be honest with you, most of the time so far this season, I don't think Jet has really put much effort in. You know, he says the right things, and I think he's very respectful of his peers, especially all these guys are older than him, right? And he's looked up to them for a long time, and he's just a nice guy on top of that. So I don't think he wants to disrespect them or, you know, say how easy it's been. But when I watch him riding and his body language and – I'm gauging his level of effort when he comes off the track, like right when he takes his helmet off, is he tired? 
does he look like he was really putting maximum effort in? And, and my answer would be unequivocally no in that scenario, other than maybe a couple of times. Like, yes, high point, he got pushed. Second moto at uh, Fox Raceway, yes. But both motos at Hangtown, no. Both motos at Thunder Valley, no. Um, he looked like he was just kind of in cruise control, you know, much like you said with Kunin. And that's amazing. It's, it's incredibly impressive. I just want to see where his ceiling is. I want to see what he's truly capable of. And to get it, we're going to need someone that can match pace with him and truly bring it out of him because otherwise he's, he's going to keep it tucked away, right? Because as you explore that ceiling and you really start to push what you're capable of, the risk factor goes up. And with risk is exactly like it sounds. The, the likelihood of you crashing goes up. And he doesn't want any of that. He's, he's the smartest 19-year-old racer I think I've ever seen when it comes to managing risk and knowing where – the limit is where he can just safely, you know, kind of circulate around the racetrack with no risk. So um, that's really what I'm hoping for. I know we're going to get that in 2024 Supercross. I have no doubt about it. Maybe even in the SMX playoffs when we get back to a more Supercross dynamic. But in this motocross championship so far, it's been few and far between where we've really seen what Jet Lawrence can, can truly offer. Yeah, absolutely. And he should be pretty, pretty comfortable on the track. Obviously, just a quick insight on that. Obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, it's transformed over the years, obviously, since you were racing. And just for the fans, I'm um, sort of what are you expecting this weekend uh, or any particular riders to shine on that surface? Obviously, Masterpool will be looking for a good weekend. He's been good there in the past, mate. So any other guys um, that should particularly suit the surface? Masterpool's always been great here. Yeah. So he's one. Um, if you go back to his star racing days, he was a podium level guy here on in the 250 class, of course, but uh, he was the fastest qualifier that day and led half of the moto. So there's something there. Um, he obviously just feels comfortable with this dirt and this dynamic. So, you know, when you, when you have a great result like that, even if it was just a random one off day, that sticks with you and you come in with more confidence and you look forward to the event. So I, I do think he'll be good. Um, you know, some of the things I don't necessarily think it's it's going to be great or not, but I'm looking for bounce back because Aaron Plessinger had a pretty poor race at High Point uh, for a track and conditions that should suit him. He was just not on his game. He didn't look good. He was never really fast. He didn't get good starts. There was really no redeeming quality on that day for him. So I know that didn't sit well with him. I'm sure he was thoroughly pissed off uh, flying home from that event. And to make things worse – he had a, an off weekend to sit there and just stew on it and not be able to right that wrong. So I think he'll come out firing. He's very, very much into this USA patriotic feel. So that <laughs> will only further that coming into the 4th of July weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of expecting fireworks from the number seven this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy, uh, March Banks, he'll be obviously coming off a great performance. He'll be looking to build on that momentum, won't he? And other guys like, you know, Noren and obviously the Wildcat crew uh, with, you know, your mate Steve uh, from Pulper Mex has jumped on board with the sponsorship. So it'll be exciting to uh, see everyone around that, mate, on, and those riders because they'll be uh, pretty hot on the topic, obviously, with the 450 class pretty depleted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much opportunity in this class. March Banks, you mentioned, what an incredible ride from him in the first moto. And yes, uh, Kenny, unfortunately, couldn't get his bike started. So even if, you know, he should have gotten third, but that's okay. Like third in that class against those guys, like he straight up beat the likes of Cincerillo, Plessinger, Webb, Verandas. Like you just go down the list like that is plenty to, to deserve a ton of credit. And it was really a breakout performance for him in a, in a career where outside of Daytona in 2020, 
we've just been in this giant holding and waiting pattern. You know, like when is Garrett Marchbanks going to arrive? Is he ever going to arrive? Because this was a rider that had a factory level deal from the inception. Like he, everybody was clamoring for his services, including myself as a part of fire racing. I was, you know, trying to sign him as well. Um, so yeah, that, that has been, I, I think on by everybody's account has been a, a disappointment and to see him really make good on it. You could see the joy in his face when he came off the track before we, you know, there's this opportunity. I talk about this a lot, but, there's this moment when they come off the track, there's no cameras there yet. They're, they're truly able to be themselves and, and they haven't had time to compose themselves. So whether it's joy or frustration or anger or whatever the raw emotion is, you really get to see that, or I get to see it anyway. So I, I get a little bit of a look behind, you know, a peek behind the curtains as to what they're truly thinking or feeling. And it was just pure joy and relief and so much smiling and yelling and, and, and I felt good for him, right? I, I don't have a personal relationship with Garrett at all, but it was impossible to not feel good for him knowing how much of a struggle it's been for, you know, the better part of five years now. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pretty tough year for that team, obviously. And it'll be great to see uh, Phil Nicoletti obviously returned last round. Do you think we he, he breaks that top 10 and that'll be his aim, mate? And the fans will be all over him too, won't they? Yeah, I, I think he has an opportunity. Um, I, I think it was a very smart move, even though I'm sure it was difficult to come back at high point a uh, race earlier than he planned on because he got to go through the motions, put his wrist through a full race day, and then go back and recover, know what the bike was going to be like. Know, you know, It prepares your body so much to go through that, be able to recover, practice more, and then you know it sounds silly that your your body knows what to expect, but it does. There's a lot of muscle memory there and that all of that uh, stress that you put on your wrist and your body, every time you do that, your body is a little bit more ready for it the next time you do it. So I, I expect him to be quite a bit better uh, this coming weekend. And if you told me he was running around, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, talking about the 250 class now. And does, does anyone beat Hunter Lawrence, mate? Obviously, he's, he's got the job done with those 3-1 score lines and, you know, do the other riders, they really need to adapt, improve, make better decisions to solve problems and adversity, I guess, like Hunter does. And, you know, like you were saying, he's just very composed and sort of just doing it in an intelligent way and not really flustered by anything. He just looks like the game face comes on and he he's down to business, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He looks like, you know, I, I think he just turned 24 or is going to turn 24 this year. But he looks like, you know, like Jet looks the same way, to be fair. But he looks so much more mature than these other guys when he's out on the racetrack. Um, he just looks calm, and it's it's hard to really, you know, I don't know that I have the vocabulary to really describe his demeanor versus the rest of the guys. Um, there's just so much volatility in their racing. You look at RJ Hampshire, you look at Hayden Deegan, they're all amazing. They're winning, they're on the podium. But, you know, if you looked at a lap chart of them, it's just this roller coaster of good and bad, and they're having to – overcome so much adversity to do well where hunters just yeah if i get a bad start it's okay i just slowly methodically move to the front and then you know i get a podium and then the second moto i just sort it out and win you know and that's been the the real pattern he's developed and these other guys are you know if you looked at only the results it's not that wildly different but it's more about how are they getting there they're crashing they're, they're getting you know poor starts are getting in all sorts of drama you know rj's up, down, and different. Hayden Deegan was in last place, you know, last weekend and had to come back. And those things over the course of a series, I'm a big believer that 
you can only un, you can only outrun things like that for so long where it's going to cost you a, a lot of points in a moto, right? It's you can't come from last every time and expect to get third, fourth, or fifth. Like the field's too deep, you're gonna get caught in another pileup. Like you you need to consistently put yourself in in plus positions. I'll say plus as in like a positive setup to do well. And I just see Hunter doing that time and time again. And you know, I've again I mentioned this before. When he takes his helmet off underneath the tent, like there's no emotion there. Like it, it is literally like he's just executing a game plan or how about this? It's like, he's already seen this movie and he knows how it ends. Like that's probably the best way I can put it is he's not surprised by anything. Like he takes his helmet off and it's like, there's, you know, it's like we just saw the biggest cliffhanger ever in a movie and he's seen the movie 10 times. So there's no, there's no reaction at all. That's what I see when I see him. And that's a really good thing for, for this level of championship, a 24 year old, when, you know, like, it's just very, very cool. And, and I know, you know, many of you listening out there don't know much about American football, but we have this thing where quarterback is like the most important position in American football. You never want them to be too high or too low, right? If they make a great play or they make a really poor play, they need to be able to go back in front of their team and be ready for the next play with the same approach. And that's what I see Hunter doing. Um, you know, that's what I, when I try to give the best analogy, that's it. If it's a Tom Brady or, or someone like that, where they just good or bad, you would never know what had just gone on. Did he win or did he get third? There's really no change or difference at all. And uh, yeah, it just speaks to, it speaks to his maturity. It speaks to where he is in this championship right now. And I think it also speaks to his father who probably doesn't get enough credit. When you look at where Jed and Hunter are in their careers at this age, off the motorcycle, how mature they are, and then on the motorcycle, how they approach their racing, especially Hunter in the last couple of years. I think Jet's mm-hmm. kind of always been this way. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, I think he and Michael Burns there as well. Um, they're giving them really good guidance, right? And, and they're saying and doing the right things and instilling this really solid foundation in both of them that's going to serve them really well. Like, you know, whether the goal is to win championships or make, you know, millions and millions of dollars, I'd say they're probably going to do both. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And they're obviously absorbing all that information well and, and, you know, using it properly. And yeah, Hunter's sort of got that clinical cold blooded approach. He's sort of a little bit more serious than Jed, obviously. And I remember you mentioning, you know, Jet, it's amazing how he's like, you know, kid, you know, he's really playful and has a joke. And then when he, when he races, he races like a man. So it's, it's a fascinating contrast they both have, I guess. But um, do you see anyone sort of, you know, the main challenges, who would you say is, do you think Cooper's going to be right up there, mate? And obviously Deegan, we, we can't sort of sing his praises and up he's been so impressive and you know he gets all that outside noise but yeah like you say we we can't you can't fake what he's doing you can't you know hide from the work and the racing because 70 minutes of racing it's uh if, if you've fallen short or you you know you haven't done your work you get found out so do you think those two star guys will give him a good run for his money yeah it'll be interesting to see what justin cooper can do this weekend um he's only ridden once that i know of <laughs> since since high point so you never know like how sore he is how sharp he's going to be right did he he wouldn't have lost any fitness per se, but is he just a little rusty or, you know, is there any lingering effects from that crash? So I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be kind of wait and see and just let that unfold. And then, uh, you know, uh, whether he does poorly or well, I don't think anybody could just say with any conviction how that's going to play out because there's just the unknown. Um, you know, as far as Hayden Deegan, he's impressed me every step of the way. And, and I've told you before and said on other shows that, 
I just had to completely change my outlook and perspective on Hayden because I was just wrong. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily negative, but I didn't think he would be anywhere near this good this fast. And uh, you know, the, the most impressive part of that, which you stated is the fitness side. Um, it doesn't matter if it's late in the moto and he's winning or late in the moto and he's coming from last or what he always seems to have the most energy of anyone around him. He's the most aggressive. He's attacking the racetrack almost too much at times, but that's just a part of being really young. But uh, none of that can be faked. You just, that's not something that if you're, you know, you will be exposed if you're not working hard in this championship or MXGP or, you know, any, any pro motocross championship worldwide, if you have not put the work in and conditions are difficult, you will be exposed. There is nowhere to hide from that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly doing that. And, and it's obvious for everyone to see. Yeah, great. And, you know, his lap times sort of serve as a testament to that in Supercross and Motocross. They're very consistent. You know, he doesn't really drop his level too much. So, yeah, it's just all learning for him. And he'll only just get better with time. And I was just wanting to get your thoughts. I think this track could be pretty cool to see Tom Vial maybe sort of, you know, look to propel himself onto that podium, mate. Uh, have you sort of got any inside news on him, how he's going? Obviously, he had that sort of, you know, he raced, but he had that sort of wrist injury a couple of rounds ago and sat out of moto. So do you think we see him sort of get back to a level resembling his best hit? Yeah, I think he's back to normal. Um, the interesting thing was the conditions were so set up for him to do well. And that's not his fault. That's a part of racing, right? Some tracks are better for some and, and not others. But that was a very nice setup for him. Ruddy, off camber, really tricky not conditions that most Americans would see very often. So he had a chance to really kind of rise to the occasion. And, and to his credit, he did. Um, this weekend, we'll see if he can back that up, right? It's going to be a more traditional racetrack, lots of traction. One that, uh, you know, American competitors, this they would ride on this track, this type of track all the time. So they will feel very comfortable here. So that will be, I think, more of a true test for him to see where he stacks up. Uh, one other rider I wanted to mention was RJ Hampshire, and this is a very, very good racetrack for him. Uh, it's one that he has won on previously. It's one he talks about all the time as far as like wanting to go there, wanting, you know, he just feels very comfortable. And his results, if you go back, you see the trend of his results always being near the best of, of his season at Redbud. So I think he's coming in with a lot of confidence coming off of that moto win at High Point. Uh, and I think he he believes he can get the overall here. And I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily out of the question, right? I think if he gets out front with Hunter, I think it would be a really good race. RJ's really been his biggest enemy when it comes to racing Hunter Lawrence. It, it hasn't been that Hunter's been that much better than RJ. Hunter just has been that much more consistent. And that's a I mean, when you're talking about a series that's twenty-two individual races, if you are not consistent, you will pay a big penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to pull it all the pieces together, really. And RJ is sort of a prime example of once he gets it. Obviously, he's got the bike now. Had massive issues with that in the past, but yeah, one man who'll probably come in with a bit of confidence, and he definitely needs a an improved result is Joe Shimoda. Obviously, won here last year, which sort of seems like a very long time ago. But yeah, he's obviously uh, you mentioned on your podcast probably going to be parting ways with the team come the end of the season, and he'll be definitely looking for a boost because you know that he should be up there battling for wins, really, shouldn't he? Yeah, this has been, uh, I think disappointing for him um you know thunder valley was a bit of a high point he, he rode really well not high point but a higher point in the series for him he rode really well at thunder valley and i'm sure he came into high point with a lot of confidence based off of that and uh yeah just you know drama and whatever it wasn't a bad day for him i just think he believes when he looks at himself and his 
where he should be. He thinks he should be winning. He thinks he should be in the fight with Hunter each weekend. And, and if you told him, like, okay, you're not going to win the championship, I think he could accept that. But for a rider who really got on a hot streak last summer and won a bunch of races, he beat Hunter in the championship last year. Remember coming down to Fox Raceway, that finale, that was for second place in the championship, and Joe bested Hunter. So I don't think he looks at Hunter as unbeatable by any means. But, yeah, he's got to kind of smooth out the rough edges. It's been too many poor starts, too many crashes. Um, it's just been a little bit of everything, like all the mistakes that you can you can force on yourself, he's made. Uh, so he could be one of those guys that just puts it all together one of these weekends and shocks us. Um, you know, when I think about tracks that he could do it out, Unadilla, he was just incredible last season. So I, I do think he will be a guy that make he just kind of gets it together. But the problem is, is that the damage is already being done. You know, he's so many points down now that it, you know, what does that end up looking like in the championship? You know, and now it's almost, you're just racing for individual wins. Yeah, absolutely. And just a couple more before we let you go. Um, yeah, just sad news about Chance Hymas, obviously tearing the ACL, mate. Uh, he's been making some really great strides lately. One of the sort of brightest prospects coming through. Probably not quite as bright as Deegan at this point, but he's an excellent, you know, excellent young kid and an excellent rider. So, you know, probably look to see him back next season now, don't we? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you know, he just stuck his foot down in a rut and it, you know, it just popped. It wasn't like he had a big crash or did anything, but having done that twice myself, um, it doesn't take a lot. You know, you catch it at a, a weird angle and you get, you know, a bunch of energy transferred into your knee at the at just the right in the right way. And uh, yeah, it, it happened. So yeah, it's a big bummer. I mean, right when he was starting to turn the corner, you know, he had his best race to date, led laps, set the fastest lap time, did all these great things at high point, And then was just trying to kind of follow on that and, and do his normal training routine. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, we won't see him probably until uh, 2024 Supercross would be my guess. So fortunately for him, you know, he's walked into factory Honda and a great, you know, situation opportunity there. And I think, he did enough in the last couple of weeks to reassure Honda that they were onto something. So that, I think that's really important. Um, if you're going to be off that long, you want to leave them with a really good memory, which he did, right? He set that incredible, uh, two seventeen lap time. Um, he just did a lot of great things at high point that, you know, if, if they look back and say, okay, well, where are we at with this kid? You're like, yeah, well, he was, he was making it happen. Uh, an ACL injury at 18 years old is not going to be, career ending right it's just a bump in the road so um unfortunate but yeah these things happen right it's it's a part of the sport yeah the signs have been overwhelmingly positive for him you know his racing even in supercross those couple he did he showed plenty and yeah just your predictions for the weekend mate do we the lawrence supremacy gets bucked and obviously some of those 450 guys will be probably looking for that top 10 with obviously no roxon and no harlan these kind of guys going to wsx and do you have any thoughts on that is there much talk around that mate obviously it's a huge weekend you got mxgp ama and world supercross so there's a lot of things grabbing people's attention yeah it's pretty awesome that's great to have that much racing um you know for as far as the ama goes i i think that jed and hunter are the best riders and i like to make a habit of picking the best riders to win the race on the weekend you know it's it seems pretty obvious but um to ask chase to come in after taking a month off uh, and, and this is a track that Jet already rode on a 450, and we saw him go out and win on it already. So um, I'll just stick with him. And then Hunter just looks like he's got the total package. I think I think RJ will be a force this weekend. I just don't know that I trust RJ to not have some sort of small 
setback that costs him the overall hunter just has so much of everything kind of put together you know you could you could say that hunter starks haven't been ideal and that's true but he's finding ways to overcome that where rj's kind of finding ways to set himself back if that makes sense like it's almost the opposite thing that they're doing to each other so yeah i'll take those two and then uh moving on to world supercross i mean kenny has to be the guy to beat right that's why they paid him so much money to be there so He's the draw. Um, I'm just kind of more interested to see how it all goes. Um, you know, the lineup is what it is. There's a ton of different level guys and people moving down to the 250 class and vice versa. And and I'm more kind of interested in the spectacle and to see what it all turns out to be versus like as far as the racing dynamic. You know, for MXGP and, and AMA Supercross or Motocross, I'm very, very much engaged in the dynamics between the riders. For World Supercross, for me, that changes to the event, what that looks like, what's the fan turnout, what is the racing, uh, the kind of trying to think of the right, uh, like the schedule, like how does the for- format, there you go. How does the yeah. format play out? Like those are to me much more interesting. And yeah, if they get some sort of series battle going on, that's great too. But being, being a relatively new championship, there's a lot that's, you know, I'm sure they learned a lot in year one. So what are they implementing in year two to kind of take it to the next level and continue improving their series? Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, to wrap it up with, um, sorry, just to wrap it up with MXGP quickly. Uh, I'll be, I think it'll be a lot of the same. Um, you know, they're, yes, they did fly to another Island or whatever, but um, you know, MX2 class, I expect parody. I expect the unexpected. I think it'll be chaos and guys really taking risks and all trying to assert themselves. Uh, and then the MXGP class, I really want to see if Febra can follow that up. Um, if he is able to do that again, you know, win the qualifier, maybe put a 1-1 on the board, and then they have to take another weekend off before I think they go to Czech Republic after that. I, I have to look. I can't remember where they end that up. But right. th- okay, yeah, and th- that sends a really strong message that they're going to have to go get on airplanes for two or three days and sit with that, and Prado's – Got a big points lead, but he's not going to like that, right? And that fosters confidence into Fevra to try to continue winning. And then we all know we get uh, Tim Geiser back when we when we get they get back to Europe. So um, it's more of like a continuation story, I think, in MXGP to see if Fevra can can assert himself as to try to be the alpha there, even though he's a bunch of points down. You know, it doesn't mean he can't wind up thinking he's the best guy each weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great racing. Probably World Supercross is probably a little bit upset there. You know, obviously you can't do much about the scheduling, but yeah, they've probably started on a, a bad weekend because there's just so much great racing. The established racing, like you were saying, going on going on around the world that are sort of right deep in championships already, mate. But um, yeah, before we let you go, I'll just thank Fly Racing for this episode. Um, they're obviously excited to celebrate the 25th anniversary in 2023, led by the revolutionary Formula Helmet featuring Rion Technology. Fly continues to push the boundaries of product, performance, and design. Fly would also like to thank our loyal dealers and customers for 25 incredible years and look forward to the next 25 and beyond. Check out their new line at flyracing.com and at flyracing on social media and follow all their athletes at Worldwide Motocross and Off-Road Events in 2023. All right, JT, mate, thanks again for taking the time, mate. Really appreciate it and have a great weekend, mate. It should be a ripper on all fronts. Thanks as always, man. Good to talk to you and uh, enjoy the weekend. You too, mate. Cheers.